This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, dog medicine, the unbreakable bond between one woman and the dog that saved her life. My dog adored me. He loved me. I was the best thing on earth to him. That made me want to stay. Emotional support from humanity's best friend when Radio Health Journal returns. Chronic pain affects almost 20% of adults. However, for some patients with what's called complex regional pain syndrome of the lower limbs, traditional treatment may not provide relief. But now a new therapy from St. Jude Medical may help. This new therapy stimulates a dorsal root ganglion, or DRG, a cluster of nerve cells in the spinal column that transmit pain signals to the brain. Dr. Rick Patius of Newport Beach Headache and Pain says it can be highly effective. DRG therapy can be precisely targeted to specific anatomic locations in the body where pain occurs. The accurate clinical studies show that 74% of DRG patients achieve that treatment success at 12 months. To learn more and to find a specialist in your area, visit sjm.com pain. That's sjm.com pain. Implementation of a neurostimulation system can involve risk, such as painful stimulation, loss of pain relief, and surgical risk during the implementation procedure, such as paralysis. Patients should talk to their physician to determine if DRG therapy is right for them. Julie Barton suffered a brutal childhood at the hands of her older brother. He punched her, chased her with knives, and called her worthless, ugly, and stupid nearly every day of her life. So it's probably no surprise that at age 22, Barton was ready to give up on life. She was a Midwestern girl living on her own in New York City when the bottom fell out. I was suicidal, although I didn't know that that was what I was. I always thought, well, maybe if I jump in front of that train, I'll feel better, or maybe if I step in front of that cab, it'll just make all this go away. My roommate had moved out, so I was living by myself, and started to make some pasta on the stove, and I just laid down on the floor thinking I give up. I was there for two days, and I finally reached the phone and called my mom, um, and she said, I'm coming to get you. Barton returned to her childhood home where her brother no longer lived and started therapy and medication for depression but she was exceptionally emotionally scarred. Life still didn't turn around for her until someone very special walked into her life. A very handsome man (laughs) who had very red fur, and he had four paws, and his name was Bunker Hill. He was a golden retriever. Barton has written a memoir of her experience with Bunker Hill entitled Dog Medicine, the unbreakable bond between one woman and the dog that saved her life. The minute we met, it was like, I described in the book as like two universes colliding. It was, it was like he'd been waiting for me. He walked up to me and sat down at my feet and looked straight in my eyes and didn't move a muscle. And I took him home. And um, at first I thought, what am I doing? I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to live. Um, why am I getting a puppy? This is a huge responsibility. But every time I pet him or I looked into his eyes, I felt this calm beyond anything I'd felt in ever in my life. Barton spent that entire summer healing with her new furry friend. He noticed my moods and he noticed when I was feeling sorrow and he would come over to me and just lean on me 
And that was such a relief to be seen in that way and to not have to explain in words what was happening. And also having something to care for and having something that I was responsible for made me feel like I had a purpose. And I got up and I got out and I had a schedule and I wanted to train him. I had something to live for. In Barton's opinion, people are not nearly as good as dogs at giving unconditional love. I didn't have to explain what was happening. I didn't have to say, I'm sorry for crying again. I didn't have to try to pretend to be in a better mood. I could just be whatever I needed to be. And that was so freeing and that helped it dissipate, you know, because this whole idea of when you're faced with something like major depression or anxiety and some kind of crisis, our instinct as humans, especially if you were traumatized as a child, is to run and to think, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to face that. Often you don't talk about it and you don't go there. For me, and I think for many, many hundreds of other people, thousands of other people, dogs and animals and nature that kind of connection helps you feel like you're safe enough because you won't be judged. You're safe enough to face it and you're safe enough to turn toward it and look at it directly in the eye and say, what are you? And you're not so big that you're going to defeat me today. Barton says that for many people, emotional support animals provide companionship and stability that they couldn't live without. And fortunately for those people, because of the Americans with Disabilities Act, they don't have to, even when boarding a plane or looking for a new apartment. For emotional support animals, you have the right to have it at home. The Fair Housing Act protects your right to have emotional support animal at home. That's Vin Nguyen, project director at the Southwest ADA Center at Tier Memorial Hermann, a rehabilitation hospital in Houston. He says while most people are not aware of it, laws protect both service animals and emotional support animals. The main difference between a service animal and an emotional support animal is that service animals are trained. You actually have to go and train them to perform some type of activity to assist you with the disability. For an emotional support animal, all it has to do is exist. They just support you by their mere presence. However, taking advantage of the law isn't quite that easy. Say you want to rent an apartment that doesn't allow pets. You can't get around the ban by simply ordering one of the many emotional support animal certification kits available online. If you have a landlord that does their homework, they would require like a doctor's note or whatever that establishes that you need an emotional support animal. So you can't just go on the internet and buy a vest or buy some type of certification and claim that it's an emotional support animal because you actually have to prove that you need the emotional support. And I think it has to be a doctor that can address mental health issues. But even with certification and a letter from a mental health professional, you might still feel unwelcome. When I was looking for apartments and houses when I was young, it was harder to find a place that was dog friendly and it narrowed my options considerably. I got a note from a reader saying she got a letter from her primary care physician saying that she needed a dog, but that it still didn't make her want to stay in her current apartment building because she felt unwelcome. Because, you know, everybody thought, well, how come she gets a dog when nobody else can have a dog? So, you know, I think there's a lot to sort of discuss here. I mean, I understand some people don't want dogs in their buildings. I get it. For some people, it's a life-saving necessity. For example, people like Barton. Loving and caring for a pet gave her a reason to live and love again. My dog adored me. He loved me. I was the best thing on earth to him. And that made me feel like I was likable. And that was really important to somebody. And that made me want to stay.
you know, for many years I thought, well, what's the point? Why am I here? But this dog needed me and loved me so intensely, and it was so clear. We were so connected. That was my purpose. Dog owners know it's not for nothing dogs are called man's best friend. You can learn more about Julie Barton and her book, Dog Medicine, The Unbreakable Bond Between One Woman and the Dog That Saved Her Life, through a link on our website, radiohealthjournal.net. Our writer-producer this week is Polly Hansen. Our production director is Sean Waldron. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns with medical notes in just a moment. The fall and holiday season offers many opportunities to enjoy the company of family and friends, as well as indulgent special occasion food. Yet too many big meals and sweet snacks can start to take their toll, from zapping our energy to causing weight gain. Registered dietitian, award-winning author, and television cooking show host Ellie Krieger has some advice. Before heading out to a party, enjoy a healthy snack with fresh California grapes so that you don't arrive hungry. Consider bringing a bowl of grapes to the buffet table to provide a fresh option to more indulgent party food. Be selective when you do indulge and make sure it is truly fabulous. Grapes from California are also a natural source of antioxidants and other polyphenols and may contribute to heart health. With just 90 calories for a three-quarter cup serving, no fat or cholesterol, and virtually no sodium, fresh grapes are a smart choice. For more information, visit grapesfromcalifornia.com. Medical Notes this week. Some people suffering from depression respond well to medication, but if they don't, it can mean a two- to three-year trial and error search for a drug that works. Now a study in the Proceedings of the National Academies of Science shows that it's possible to predict with 80% accuracy which patients will respond well to antidepressants. The test is easy. Patients are given a five-minute brain scan while viewing images of happy and fearful faces and answer a 19-item questionnaire about early life stress. Women who are trying to get pregnant are advised not to drink because of the risk of fetal alcohol effects, but a new study shows it can also harm fertility. The study in the journal BMJ shows that heavy drinking is associated with nearly a 20% decline in fertility. Scientists define heavy drinking as more than two bottles of wine per week. They say that moderate drinking did not affect fertility. And finally, is it possible to make a liver-friendly vodka? An Indian company says it's done just that, and they want to say so on the label. Officials from the company told the website statnews.com that additives combined with vodka make it easier for the liver to break down alcohol. However, regulators may be skeptical. The company's study on whether the formula works included only 12 people. And that's Medical Notes this week. More in a moment. November is American Diabetes Month, as well as the start of the holiday season, a time when healthy eating can be difficult, especially for someone living with diabetes. Diabetes is the number one cause of kidney failure. Fresenius Kidney Care, the nation's leading network of dialysis facilities, encourages people with diabetes to eat right this holiday season to protect their kidneys. Joy Lutz-Mazar, registered dietitian and senior director of nutrition services for Fresenius Kidney Care, explains. People living with diabetes need to control carbohydrates. Those living with both diabetes and kidney disease also need to control sodium, potassium, and phosphorus. Go easy on seasonal treats like dried fruit, pumpkin, and potatoes. 
but you can still enjoy the different colors, textures, and flavors of the holiday with a well-balanced meal. Joy Lutz-Mazar says if you have diabetes, speak with your health care provider and get tested for chronic kidney disease, which doesn't have many symptoms in the early stages. An early diagnosis and effective treatment plan can help preserve kidney function longer. Find more dialysis-friendly recipes at FreseniusKidneyCare.com. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTrax Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.